Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. I'm going to teach today uh, just for a few minutes, but, but I'm going to teach some real foundational things that will revolutionize your life. So the Bible said that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The reason he said only begotten son is because he had just spoken to Nicodemus, a man that had come to Jesus, and Nicodemus said, uh, uh, he, he begins to talk to him, and Jesus just stops him, and he says, now here's the thing. If you're going to be born again, or excuse me, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. Now Nicodemus didn't understand this because how could he at that time? He, he, said, he said, I don't understand. Am I supposed to get back in my mom's stomach? What are you talking about? And he said, he said, you have to be born again. And so what Jesus is actually doing with, the, the, with the, uh, John 3.16 is he's explaining that. He says, you see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that is a son by birth. Everyone else is required to be reborn in. So literally Mary, who had never known a man, the Holy Spirit uh, put the seed of God on the inside of her. She was with child and she had Jesus who was the only begotten Son of God. The reason that's important, that he said only begotten, the only one that's born of God, born of the Father like that, the reason that that is so imperative is because there will be many that rise up that give indication that their natural birthright has positioned them as a higher place than some other segment of society. But Jesus said there is only one that does not require a second birth. When you get born again, you are born again into the kingdom of God. But he said there is only one begotten. There's only one that was originally born into the kingdom of God and did not have to be born again. Somebody say amen. amen. So he said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him might be saved. Everybody say whosoever. whosoever. That's anybody and everybody. Anybody and everybody that will believe on Jesus could be saved. In other words, I had somebody tell me early on, we had a, our church was a, 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 probably about three or four months old, and we had a rip-roaring six or seven people at service, you know, it was just a, a great time in the Lord, and uh, five or six of them were related to me, so we were, we were doing real good, and I remember somebody came up to me, and they said, they said, oh, pastor, I so love this church, probably, I guess it'd be, the, well, I guess it'd be one of the few people that was there, anyway, there was not many people, 10, 15 and, and they said to me, they said, I, I, I just love this church and I don't want it to get too big. And, and just out of my spirit, I didn't mean to say it as quick as I said it, but I said, well, who would you like to leave out of heaven? God loves big churches. He loves big churches. My God, he, he, he preached to 5,000, not counting the ladies and the kids. Then he fed them all, praise the Lord. He loves big churches. So the idea... That, that God so loved the world that he gave so that whosoever, that means the, just look around. Everybody just look to the right, look to the left. I see every color of the rainbow in here. Come on, every color of the rainbow in here. The whosoevers. Listen, we're, we're, we're all, we all have different backgrounds. I celebrate almost every culture, especially if you have good food, praise the Lord. <laughs> I celebrate just about every culture you could think of. 
but, but the body of Christ should be full of whosoever's. Come on, I don't want to go to a white church. They're boring. <laughs> well, tell the truth, shame the devil, you know. Come on, I don't want to go to a brown church. I don't want to go to a black church. I don't want to go to a pink church. Now, if the only thing in the area is people of a certain culture, then praise God, that's what's going to be there. But I want the, I want the church to look like the community. You see what I'm saying? The whosoever. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. I just think we ought to all get together. We all bleed red. All the whosoever's. The whosoever's. Anyone. Somebody say anyone. So the scripture goes on to say, he said he didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. Anyone who does not believe on Jesus... Excuse me, if you believe on him, you are not condemned. But anybody that does not believe on him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Only one was born originally that doesn't have to be born again. That's Jesus. But here's the thing I want to point out. If you're not born again, you're in what we call the world. In Christian terms, we say the world and the kingdom. That's just how how we talk because that's how Jesus talked. So we figured it'd make sense for us to talk that way. So the world and the kingdom. So what he says is this. He says, if you believe on him, you are not condemned. Somebody say, that's me. me. But if you don't believe on him, listen, you're condemned already. So we have to get a proper picture of what evangelism is. Evangelism is us sharing the gospel. But a proper picture of evangelism is this. A proper picture of evangelism is not as if we are offering somebody a survey as if they, hey, would you like to choose hell or choose heaven? This Bible says... That if they do not believe on the Son of God, they are already condemned. Which puts us, we are not in survey mode. Come on, we are in rescue mode. You see what I'm saying? So for us, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And if you've been in church more than five minutes, you're going to have heard some of the stuff I just said. And if you're honest, you might have even said some of it. I'll be honest with you, I've said some of it. If, you're, if you've never been in church before, if it's your first time here, or if you've only been in church in a little while, I want your eyes to just glaze over for a minute, and I'm asking you to ignore me for about, I don't know, four minutes, okay? But in the body of Christ, here's what I've experienced over time, because I've, I've been serving God my whole life, as long as I can remember for certain. But what I, I've even said some of these things, things like this, I am so sick of the world. And if you're really holy, you'll say something like this. I'm so sick of secular life. I'm so sick of the world. And, and you get so put out when somebody says something. Maybe they use the Lord's name in vain, which I am not condoning at all. But maybe they use the Lord's name in vain around you. And you, all of a sudden, you get so fed up with them because of what they did in your presence. And you think they should know I'm a Christian. Well, my Bible says they will know you're a Christian based on your love. So what happens is, is as the church, we have, and I'm not talking about you, me, or anybody else. I'm just talking about big picture church. We've gotten real good at talking about the they's and the us's. The they's and the us's. And, and it got to the point where, you know, it became almost cool to say it especially in the, in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s when there was a real holiness push, which I'm all pro-holiness, praise the Lord. 
uh, but there was a real pro-holiness push. And all of a sudden, uh, a lot of it, if you just look back, you said, man, maybe were we as a church too heavenly-minded and we weren't being of real earthly good because we were talking about the world as if it was something that we should be avoiding when the Bible says that God so loved the world that he let his only boy, his only son die in hopes that the whosoever's the world might be saved. You see where I'm going with this? So uh, as a church, we got to get exceptionally good at loving the world. So if we're going to be good at loving the world, we need to know what love is. Bump your neighbor and say, what's love got to do with it? Got to do, got to do with it. Who needs a heart when a heart can't be broken? Praise the Lord. Man, I just really sense the presence of God. And there's, so there's different, there's different types of delivery. And if you've been in church, you've heard this before. I'm going to start preaching now and then somebody starts shouting. And then they'll say, I'm going to teach for a minute. And then they'll get all calm like I am right now. So in the Bible... Uh, that's, that's the way we kind of uh, uh, separate them because preaching literally means like proclaiming. So uh, this morning, I'm just going to really try to teach for a few minutes. I'm going to try to keep it reined in. Uh, I'm going to tell the band, don't come up there for a while because a lot of times they egg me on, you know, they hit the cymbals or something. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, we're going to define what love is. 1 Corinthians 13 verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this. Most time you've heard it in the, in the New English trans, in the New uh, International Version, the NIV Version. It's almost read at every single funeral. Or excuse me, <laughs> almost read at every single wedding. <laughs> what kind of wedding was that? Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what a good wedding is. A good wedding is two funerals and a birthday. Because the Bible says the two of you become one flesh. That means the two other lives are gone and the one new life starts. Amen? Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, anytime you see charity in this book, you can replace it with love. Anytime that I speak with tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If you flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but you do not walk in love, you are just making racket. I've been around some people in my life uh, long enough that, that man, they could, they could just about walk on water, but they wouldn't walk across the street to help you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They were so strong spiritually in spiritual giftings, but they had no charity. They had no love. So they were just making racket. And then, then they didn't understand why nobody listened to them. I don't care how much you, you, you can help me until I know how much you care about me. You see what I'm saying? So the scripture continues to say, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, remove mountains, but I don't have love, says I'm nothing. So love is like the grease that makes everything happen. Love is like the, 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 the lubricant that moves things along. Love is the, is the grace that, that aids in a situation. Love is the opportunity for you and me uh, to actually have an impact. So if you speak with tongues of men and angels and can prophesy, there was a man I knew, his name was Robert Mitchell. 
very powerful prophet. And he would walk into a room like this. God is my witness. He would do just like this. He, he would walk down the aisles and he would call every person by their first and most time first and last name, having never met you. And it was one of the greatest spiritual gifts in operation I'd ever seen. It was like a constant word of knowledge just, just flowing out of him. And you said, man, how did he do that? The Lord just did it. But here's the thing. This guy's level of love was so high. He just loved. He, love just oozed out of him. He was, you couldn't be around him that you just want to hug him, you know. Even tough guys would get around and be like, Brother Mitchell, I just love you. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, I love you too. And he was full of kindness and joy. But the reality is, is if you don't care about people, they don't care what you know. There's a lot of people in your life that, that uh, uh, they're, they're in your life for a season and, and uh, they're in your life and, and they have a lot of constructive criticism, but they've never constructed anything. Can I just say love doesn't mean be a dummy? You don't have to receive everything anybody says to you. If somebody says something to you, you don't have to receive it. I, I, people all the time give me advice. And, and sometimes, like, I got people that really love me, that really love me, really, really love me. Uh, I believe it was Dr. Oral Roberts said this, if you have three people in your life that really love you that are not born in your family, three in your whole life, you're excessively blessed. That really love you. And we're fixing to find out what love is. I'm not talking about they love the fact that you're funny. That's your personality. I'm not talking about the fact that they love the fact that you're rich. You know, that's the blessing of God on your life. I'm not talking about they love the fact that you're a good athlete. I'm not talking about the fact that, 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 you're, that, you're, that you're super handsome or super good looking. Those are, those, are just, those, are, those, are, those are facets of who you are. But I'm talking about people that really, really love you. We're going to find out what love is. If you have three of those people in your whole life, it's a lot. It doesn't mean we don't love everybody. I'm talking about those people that we really let in. Because sometimes relationships can be the thing that catapult us forward or they can be the thing that stop us from moving forward. So the scripture says that if we, if we flow in all the spiritual gifts and we don't have love, that we're just making racket, the Bible says. The Bible also says that if we flow in uh, all the spiritual gifts and, but we don't have love, literally it doesn't do anything for us. Next verse. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing doesn't do any good for you if, if you if you think that Christianity the more pious you become pious is an old word kicked around like like the more the more I, I, I you know put lashes on my own back the holier I get that's not it at all God's not looking at that at all not one little bit he's looking at love if you if you're walking in love you're walking in who he is the Bible says God is love so uh, there's nothing we can give away that puts us in a better position. There's nothing we can sacrifice of ourselves that puts us in a better position if we don't have love. Whoever is doing those scriptures back there, thank you very much. You are doing an amazing job. I don't have all these memorized. They're on the back wall, just a heads up. <laughs> so thank you. You're doing a wonderful job. The scripture now begins to define love. Anytime you see charity in the Bible, you can, you can replace it with love, especially in this book. So now we're, gonna get, we're going to begin to define it. So we, ha- we know that we have to have it. And if we're going to love the world like, like, like the Lord is implying, then we should probably figure out what the heck is love. You see what I'm saying? So the scripture says, uh, love suffers 
long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself up, meaning it, it's not a braggart. And love is not puffed up or haughty. doesn't look down on people. So love is this. Love is patience. Love is kindness. So as a Christian, if you're not being patient with somebody, and I'm not talking about just being patient with the body of Christ. We should be patient with the body of Christ. But I'm talking about being patient with the world, you see. It's the world that needs Jesus. And if they don't see the Jesus in us, who are they going to see? The Jesus, certainly, he could walk through this room right now. There's plenty of people who've seen uh, 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 Jesus uh, uh, with their natural eyes. It happens even today. He could walk through right now. But most of the time, the Jesus that people will see is the Jesus on the inside of you that has changed your life. So the Scripture says that love is patient. So if you're not finding yourself being patient, then you're not loving somebody. And you're lying to yourself if you think you are. Told y'all this was a Wednesday night deal. You're just going to sit here and just get flat-footed for a minute. If you're not being kind, you're not loving somebody. And don't lie to yourself and think you are. You're not. If you're not being kind. If you're, if you're an old grump all the time and everybody's got a problem with you, let me just tell you something. It's probably not everybody. <laughs> love is patient and love is kind. Now, that doesn't mean love is a pushover and ignores good reason. You can be patient with somebody, but if you pay somebody to, if you, if you have a deal with somebody to paint your house and they, you've agreed to a price and then they paint half of it and they demand the money, it's not impatient of you to say, no, you finished the job that we agreed to. That's called wisdom. That's called being a good steward. So being patient doesn't mean I'm a pushover. It doesn't mean I'm going to sit back on my thumbs all the time. But being patient means that, that you know, hey, I'm going to endure some things. I, I'm going to be kind when I don't have to be. Particular, to, and this is where God really pays attention. This is where he really pays attention. You be kind to people that there's nothing they can do for you. There's nothing that they can benefit you other than you just being kind because God is kind to you. The scripture says love is, somebody say amen. amen. I feel like I'm talking in a library, praise the Lord. <laughs> Be patient, be kind, Scripture says. Love is not envious, doesn't brag, it's not haughty. I'm just going to hit a few of these. Love is not haughty. It doesn't, doesn't look down on people. Love doesn't, love doesn't get way up here and just look down and say, boy, I'm so glad I got it figured out. And you know what? Maybe one day they will. But bless God, look at us and look at them. The Bible says God hates haughtiness. He does not like it at all. Anytime you find yourself looking down on somebody, you're not walking in love. The scripture continues to say, love does not behave itself unseemly, doesn't seek its own, it's not easily provoked, and it doesn't think evil. So the scripture says that it doesn't, it doesn't seek its own, and it doesn't behave unseemingly. Behave unseemingly just means to be rude. Did you know I've got a lot of friends of mine that are waiters and waitresses and they tell me that they hate working on Sundays because Christians are rude and they barely tip. If Chick-fil-A would open, we'd be nicer. Praise the Lord. Look, love does not behave rudely. Come on, if they give you sweet tea when you ask for unsweet tea, do not cuss them out. It's not appropriate. We just don't behave rude. 
We don't answer sharply every time somebody asks us a question. We don't have, you know, you could, it's, it's all fun to, be, to, to, to joke and laugh, but we're not going to live our lives as court gestures. You see what I'm saying? We're not going to behave rudely. Amen. They'll know we're Christians based off of how we love. And love is not rude. Love is not rude. If somebody was rude to you, that doesn't give you the right to be rude to them. When you said yes to Jesus, you laid your life down. Now you represent him. Everybody that, 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 that's a leader in this church represents this church. So when, 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 when something is said or done or, or what, it all comes back on the church. And everything that the church does comes back, you know, we represent Christ. So everything we do is represent Christ. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. So when we said yes to Jesus, we laid down our right to, to be rude. I don't like that part. I didn't say you had to like it. I'm just reading the Bible out loud. He said, he, said, he said, we don't behave unseemingly. He said, we're not, we're not rude. You know, uh, uh, the, the Bible says that we exchange our life for his life. And the scripture says, I no longer live. Could you picture Jesus being offended? No. He said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I no longer have the right to be offended because I don't even live anymore. Drive by a graveyard look out the window and ask me how many of those people are offended. You can say anything you want. You can't offend them. Now, you'll offend their family, but you won't offend them because they're dead. You and me, we are dead to our flesh and we now live in Christ. We don't have the right to be offended anymore. You give that up. Somebody say amen. amen. This is the kind of stuff will change your life for real. I can shout and I can scream and I, I can... I can, I, can, I can preach the paint off of these walls. But if you will follow the word of God and you will begin to apply what he said, it will change everything about your life. Not something, everything. Love doesn't behave rudely. So if you're being rude, look, and you're going to have it. Some of you, you might have already. I'll look up because I'm not talking about anybody. Some of you, you might have already sequestered that voice to a place where you don't even hear it when you're rude anymore. But what we're going to do right now is we're all going to ask God to convict us when we're rude, which will then give us the opportunity to not be rude so that we can be more effective to the for the kingdom. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to let us know when we're being rude. Let us know when we're being arrogant. Let us know when we're being haughty and we commit to you, not by our own strength, but by your strength, to do our best in that moment to repent. Repent means to turn from. So we make our best, we will make our best effort to turn from being rude in that moment to turn from being not rude in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now here's the deal. You do that, it's going to be weird for the people around you. I've done it. Cold turkey. I've been, I've been mad as a hornet and realize I'm wrong in the moment and begin to ask forgiveness. And the person, can't, they can't hardly deal with it. Like, what, what, what's even happening? You just told me, you know, whatever. But what happens is that voice, because if you'll listen to that voice, if you'll listen to that voice, then, then, then it gets more clear. But if you ignore him, 
it's harder and harder to hear him. So love doesn't behave rudely. And some of you say, well, I've never been rude once. No, everybody's just scared to tell you. <laughs> Amen or oh me. Y'all have all been to a family reunion. You think she's coming? I don't know. Oh, my God, she's here. Look out. Pray. Oh, hey, how are you? Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. You must be blessed. You put on weight. <laughs> but you don't tell them they're being rude because you don't want to have the conflict. Love's not rude. We want, that, we want that still small voice to nudge our heart. Listen, and it's, it's not because we're just trying to get so shined up and clean that we can just be, you know, super clean and brag about being super clean. We're trying to be effective for the kingdom. If he said he so loved the world, we want to figure out, well, how do we so love? What's the best way? Well, we're just not rude. We're not rude to the people around us. We're not rude to our family. Some people talk meaner to their family than they would talk to the waitress at Denny's. Yeah, y'all all been there. Some of us have been there where you're like, I can't believe that was just said in this house. And then before you know it, it becomes your culture. And we're all just smart alecks to one another. Amen or oh me. And then you wake up one day and you start to shift it. And then you go, man, God will move and shift. He'll change everything in our life in a positive way. So the Bible says love is not rude, love is not self-serving, love is not easily angered, love is not self-serving. Isn't it frustrating to talk to people that have an ulterior motive? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to teach you about five or ten more minutes. About five or ten more minutes and we'll get out of here. I feel this really heavy like Kenneth Hagin anointing on me right now. I don't know if you all know who that is. That's who I feel. That's what I feel. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's just too taxing to live two lives, y'all. You don't, have to, you don't have to seek, you know, to serve yourself. You serve the kingdom of God and God will take care of you. It's just very taxing when you're having to, you know, you're dealing with somebody, you, maybe you're about to do a contract and you're just trying to figure out if they have good intentions or not. It's just too taxing. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't seek to serve itself. Love doesn't, love doesn't think on evil. That means we don't meditate and marinate on doing somebody wrong. You don't sit there and roll around. Oh, if I could. And I've, I've even said these words. Not this week, thanks God, thank God. But I've even said these words. If I could just take my Christian coat off for five minutes, here's what I would do. And then, then all of a sudden, you, you, you're, you're marinating on it. Well, let me tell you what happens in the Spirit. What happens in the Spirit is the enemy of God starts to begin to try to lead you in that direction to see if you'll really do it. You go around running your mouth, man, I'd, I'd beat the teeth out of your head. The devil sends his little nymphs around you to try to see if you'll really do it. Now, 99.9% now, of the time, nobody's going to do anything like that. Nobody's going to do what they say. But have you ever heard that one person that just goes off the rails and everybody says the same thing? They all say, I kiss, he was so, they were such a nice person. I can't believe they did that. Well, they just went running that mouth, marinating and meditating on evil, on doing wrong. And before you know it, those darts started to pile up. They weren't blocking them with the shield of faith. And before you know it, they're doing something they had no intentions of ever really doing. They had no intentions of doing it. 
They had no intentions of talking that way. But they just, they just kept headed down, heading down that path. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love doesn't rejoice in sin. We don't celebrate sin, and we don't care if it's popular. Oh, I wish somebody would say amen now. We don't, we don't rejoice in sin. We don't celebrate it. We're not, we're not throwing rocks at anybody, but we're not fixing to start acting like everything's okay. If Jesus died to deliver us from sin, we're not fixing to jump back in the sin pit and act like it's okay. It's not. Love rejoices in truth. We love truth. Have you, ever, have you ever had somebody just tell you the truth after they've lied to your face? And you're just like, ah. That's because the truth oftentimes doesn't have to be explained. The truth is just there. So we rejoice in the truth. We rejoice in who God has made us to be. We rejoice in the truth. If he said we're healed, that's the truth. We're healed. I don't feel healed. Well, the truth is we have been healed by the stripes on his back. And until that manifests in the natural, manifest just means we see it. Until that manifests in the natural, I'm just going to stand and rejoice in the truth until I see the truth. So I'm rejoicing in what I don't see because it's true. Not because I see it, but because it's true. We rejoice in truth. We don't rejoice in, in, in sin. We rejoice in truth. Uh, love, you, you guys are going to love this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love bears all things. Uh, love bears all things means love will hide silently things that should be hidden. You have people in your life, they want to know something about you. You ever, you ever, had, a, you ever had a problem with a business or something? And the, the saying would be, well, you need to take it up with the manager. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of truth in that. You take it up. You don't take it down. You start talking about your problems with people that, that can't help you with your problems, and you find out they want to know about your problems, not because they can help you. They want to know about their problems so they can use them to step on your neck on the way up. There's a promotion at work, and you got some problems. You don't, tell, you don't start talking to the other person that's up for the promotion about your problems. All of a sudden, they're going to be like, boss, I just got to tell you this one thing. Here's what they're going through. No, love bears all things, just keeps it quiet. There's, the Bible says that there was a man named Noah. He built a big boat in the Bible, saved all the animals in his family, built it for 100 years. We call it the ark. And the Bible says that after he got off the ark, he drank a bunch of grape juice that had been on the ark. Well, they'd been on the boat for a long time, and all the grape juice had fermented. And, and so, so it was a bunch of alcohol. And he drank all the alcohol that, because it, the grape juice had fermented. The Bible said he, he landed in his tent and he was totally intoxicated. And he was, he was, he was naked as a jaybird, praise the Lord. <laughs> Laying there in his birthday suit, old Noah. One of his sons walked in and saw him. And he goes, oh, dad, doggone it. And he walks out and he starts talking about his dad. Man, you guys aren't going to believe this. He's in there drunk and he's naked. You're not going to believe this. Now, this is the man who just saved that boy's life by building a boat for 100 years, endured the weather and the rain and all the stuff that the animals put on the boat. You know what I'm talking about? 
endured it all. He has one bad day. And his son began to talk about the bad day. Two other sons heard about it. The Bible says that they grabbed a blanket and they stood on each side and they went to the tent and they walked backwards where their daddy was and they covered him up. They said, we don't want anybody seeing our daddy like this because love bears, covers all things. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. It's one of the greatest, listen, it's one of the greatest opportunities in the body of Christ when you have been exposed to somebody else's sin because now you have an opportunity to really do like Jesus did you can either go make it known or you can say no I'm going I'm to cover this ain't nobody going to know about this bad day in the name of Jesus ain't nobody going to know about this love bears all things the Bible says the Bible says love believes all things Love hopes all things, and love endures all things. Endures all things. That's a powerful word. It literally means that even when you are being treated ill, when somebody's doing something wrong to you, that you, you go through it bravely and calmly. You want to mess the devil up? Quit acting like everything's a big deal. Amen. Amen. Quit acting like everything's a big deal. You get a bad report. They start talking about something at work. It's going to happen this. The Lord didn't like, his heart didn't skip a beat in heaven. And go, what are we going to do, Jesus? No. We just endure. Right foot, left foot. Right foot, and we do it bravely. And we do it calmly. We endure. Stop acting shook all the time and then then talking like you're in faith. Man, this is real deep today. I I didn't even know this was going to hit this hard. Quit acting shook. Quit acting like everything's got you rocked. Love endures calmly and bravely they're saying it about me again well I'm just going to endure I don't understand I feel like I'm, I'm in the valley I'm just going to endure calmly and bravely that word hope literally means waits with high levels of expectations let's, let's say it like this say God tells you it's going to rain and you need some rain water hope carries a bucket around Because it's one thing for God to bring the rain and you believe it, you act like you believe it, but the one walking around with a bucket, what are you doing with that bucket? God said it's going to rain. When's it going to rain? Not sure, but I'm expecting it to happen. And you begin to expect God to do what he said he would do. So so here's the deal. We've got to love the world. We've got to get real good at it. God's Bible is God speaking to me and you. And everybody. And, and what he said was, hey guys, I so love the world that I gave my only son in order to save it. So here, here's what I want. I want you to love the world. 
So if God's speaking to us today, if Jesus came here and he heard us saying, I'm so sick of the world, he'd be like, hold the phone. I love the world. He said, do like you've seen me do. Love the world. See, they'll know we are Christian. They will know we are Christian. We don't have to walk around saying I'm an apple tree if there's apples hanging all over us. That's the person to be nervous of. They got no fruit on the tree, but they keep telling you I'm an apple tree. Here's some, since I've already stepped in it like 20 times today. I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. But nothing that's ever said is lined up with anything. You're not a prophet. You're certainly not yet. Maybe later. How about show me some fruit? Praise the Lord. I'm an apple tree. I'm an apple. Oranges hanging everywhere. Pears, peaches, whatever. I'm an apple tree. You're not an apple tree. We'll know what kind of tree you are by your fruit. We'll know what kind of cereal you are by your fruit loops. Praise the Lord. So if the Bible's God talking to us, and that's the way he would say it. He would say, you know, love the world. I want you to really pursue and, and love the world. If you were to have a conversation was with the Lord through maybe like a text message today in 2017, maybe it would look a little different. He might not give you the whole scripture. Maybe, maybe it would be just like this. Maybe it'd just be like, hey, a little encouragement. Hey, love the world. And maybe because it's Sunday, you're feeling really good and really holy and you, 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 you give him a little, a little heart shape on the, on the picture he sends. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. Then Monday morning rolls around and you remember that things are pretty tight, pretty tough. You're really going through life and you take it to the Lord. I, man, I, I'm under a lot of pressure right now. I really need you. You know, I'm just, I just, things aren't going great. I just, I just want you to know I really need you right now. Almost before you could hit enter, he would reply back. He'd be like, hey, I know I got this. Just hang in there. I'm with you. And it's still Monday, so you're still glowing from church on Sunday. And it's like, oh, heart shape. Yeah, I just love that. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Tuesday goes by, nothing happens. Wednesday goes by, and you start thinking, Lord, I just, I just love you so much, and I just, I just can't wait to, to be around you. And, 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 but here, you get to work, and all of a sudden, I gave the promotion to somebody else. And you remember, I can cast my cares on him because he cares for me. So it's Lord. So they gave the promotion to somebody else. I told you I wasn't doing good. I've been believing you for that. And again, before you can even hit sin, he's replying back. He's like, listen, I know. He said, and I have plans for you that are bigger than anything you can ask or think. And if you will just trust me through this time, I'm going to show you things because my plan for you is for good and not evil. Then, 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 then here, here's the problem. We live a life connected, but something happens and we get disconnected. Have you ever texted somebody and they don't text you back? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. Have you ever been texting somebody like back and forth like beep, 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 and they just stop texting you? And you're like, oh my gosh, where am I supposed to meet you? What restaurant? Question mark, 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 question mark. Hashtag question mark. Hashtag did you not pay your bill? Hashtag. <laughs> so things stopped going so good and we, we, we were connected and all of a sudden it turns into a one-sided conversation because the Lord never stopped speaking. Amen. He starts going, hey, I'm believing in you. I believe in you. Talk to me. Nothing. 
Then, then maybe, hey, hey, really like to hear your voice. I miss hearing your voice. I miss, I miss having that time with you. Nothing. And before you know it, he's asking, are you even there? Hey, hey, are you there? Are you there? And what he's really saying is, I'm here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Are you there? Can you hear me now? This is how it would happen if the Lord was doing it now. The problem is we have a world that doesn't know Jesus loves them because the love that we walk in is not the love that we just described in the Bible. Not you and me. I'm not talking about us. You know, I'm just talking about us. I'm talking about deciding, hey, man, we're going to love the world. We're going to pursue people because God pursued people. We're going to get serious about getting people connected to Jesus and helping them stay connected. But maybe you're here today and maybe you've never made that connection. Maybe you've never connected with the one who cares about you more than you could ever imagine. Maybe differently you would say, you know what? I used to be really strong connected to him and something happened. Sometimes it happens like this. Like you can't even remember what happened. You just realize you've drifted away. And you just wake up one day and you're like, man, how did I even get here? Jesus doesn't look at you and say, I can't believe you did that. He looks at you and says, if you want to come home, I've been waiting with open arms for this moment. Please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and that's you and you say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not sure I've connected with him. And I know I need to. Maybe you would say it differently. you say, I've lost connection somehow. I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. And I just want to give my life to him for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're just saying, for real, Jesus, I need you. I need you more than I needed you yesterday. And I know, connected to you, I can do all things. But when I'm disconnected, I just feel powerless. And he doesn't want you to feel powerless. If that's you, when I count to three, just lift your hand. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. One, two, three. Lift your hands. Lift them up tall and bold. Hold them up, please. I see that hand. 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 Is there anyone else? I see that hand. Wow. I see that hand. I see your hand, big boy. <laughs> we love little hands too. Praise the Lord. All right, you can put your hands down. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you not to pray like you're talking to me or anything because you're not. I want you to pray like you're talking to your best friend because that's what Jesus wants to be. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to come into our life fresh and new. And that's what's going to happen. He's going to take everything you've ever done. He's going to wash it away. You'll become a new creature in Christ. It's the most cleansing thing that can happen.
Let's all lift our hands to heaven like a sign of surrender. Church, help us pray this. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Please write my name in your book. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I give you my life completely in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. Now listen to me. If you lifted your hand to pray that prayer, I, I want to tell you, Christians do three things. We do a lot, but three big things we do. Number one is we eat fried chicken. No, wait, that's, that's later. Hold on. We pray. Christians pray because that's how we connect with God. So I want you to pray every day. You just talk to him like you're talking to your very best friend because that's what he wants to be. Number two, Christians read their Bible. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the tent. We'd love to give you one. If not, get it on your phone or your iPad or computer. Read a little bit every day. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Number three, Christians go to church. We go to church because iron sharpens iron. We go to church because it's better to be in the house of God one day than a thousand days somewhere else. Praise the Lord. So if you live within 100 miles of right here and you just gave your life to Jesus, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home in the name of Jesus. Last question I'm going to ask, and this is uh, for everybody, but particularly for those who have just given their life to Jesus. It's imperative that you be connected to the house of God. The reason is because the Bible says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. So for us, we just connect together. We can, we can accomplish much more together. And the Bible says in the book of Philippians, that we get in partnership with one another, you become a partaker of every grace and gift that's on a house or a ministry. That means when somebody gets born again, and everybody here that just got born again, everybody in the first service and the second service and all the people that are members of this church that, that weren't here today, we're all partakers of that celebration. What's on this house gets on you. In other words, your, your family just starts to, 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 to jive better. It just gets along better. Everything, health becomes a standard in your life. Prosperity becomes a standard in your life. What's on this house gets on your house. So if you're here today and you've never made New Heights your home, maybe it's your first day here, maybe you've been coming for weeks or months, uh, but if you've never made New Heights Church your home church, we have a new members class next week, but sometimes it's hard for scheduling purposes to get to, so if you can't make it to that or, 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 or you just know today that you want to drive a stake in the ground, so I'm just going to be planted in the house of the Lord. I'm going to do my best to see my family flourish. If that's you and you want to make New Heights your home church today, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to put a microphone in your face. That's not what we do here. Uh, we don't do it every time, but that way. Uh, but if you're here today and you have never made New Heights your home church, but you know God has called you to this house, when I count to three, lift your hands and just let us celebrate with you. One, two, three, lift your hand. Give them a hand, y'all. Praise God. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, so let me speak to you for just a minute. I'm going to pray. We're all going to dismiss in just a minute. But if you lifted your hand to join the church, let a member of your family, one of y'all, fill out that card again. Uh, that's in the, even if you filled it out a hundred times, 
and drop it off by the tent. Just mark on there that you want to be a member because what we're going to do is I'm going to have one of my staff reach out to you and make sure you know. And then mark your calendar. If at all you can be here next Sunday, the 13th at 6 p.m., we have our new to new heights meeting coupled with our first touch reception. And can I just tell you, those are titles and names and, and whatever, but it just means we're going to get together and party. Praise the Lord. We're going to get together and get to know each other. Because our first touch team is everybody at the church that pulls the wagon together. Everybody in the parking team. Everybody on the worship team. Everybody in the media team that makes everything click. Everybody that does anything at this church, it goes through the first touch team. So we're going to get together. And this particular meeting, we have a very special guest. He's a very dear friend of the house. He's a very dear friend of mine. Uh, he's been with Lakewood Church for decades. He was uh, Pastor John Osteen's armor bearer, and he is now Pastor Joel Osteen's armor bearer. Reverend Johnny McGowan, come on, give God a big hand of praise, is going to be here with us, and he's going to share about leadership and excellence and just really bless us. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands. Let me pray a blessing on you. Father, for every person that's joined our church, I thank you that they are connected. And I declare a flourishing lifestyle over them. I call forth health over their life and strength. I declare the, heavens of, uh, the, the windows of heaven open over their life for them to have more than enough. I, I declare prosperity over them and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let this be a day in their family when everything shifts as they have come to you in a new and fresh way and they have joined with this movement. Now, Father, with every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that you would bless them in their coming in, bless them in their going out. I pray that you would bless them in the city and bless them in the field this day and every day. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.